Guys, I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for being the title sponsor of this podcast. And I wanted to let you know that when you sign up for the Insider, you can get a $50 Kuyu gift card. All you have to do to get the Kuyu gift certificate is go to www.gohunt.com forward slash insider, click on the blue join now button, and use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout, and they will send you electronically a gift card, $50 to use at Kuyu. I wanted to give you guys a chance to hear Dave Losher, the head of the Go Hunt Insider, as he's talking about the state profile section of the Go Hunt Insider. Let's hear from Dave now. Our state profiles have all the information you're going to need to have a better understanding of the cost and the species and all the important dates that are associated with that state as you apply in the West. And within this state profile in the upper right-hand corner, you can expand the map right here. And once you expand that map, you can see all the different boundary lines and you can hover right over those units. And, and by clicking it, you'll go straight to that unit profile, which we already talked about. And then you can click that same button and go right back to that, that state profile. And then you're going to show the species icon, so you can see every big game species that's offered within that state. And as you go down, we're going to show all the valuable information, the license cost, the, the tag cost within that state on a resident and non-resident basis, as well as the important dates, the draw schedules, the draw deadlines, when are results going to be available, when can you possibly you know, amend your application or make corrections if that's offered within that state. And then, uh, you know, quick rules, talking about the minimum age to hunt, you know, hunter orange required. You have to wear hunter orange in the field. Also, within the state profile, we talk about if there is a landowner tag system that's in place. And then we also give you the information about the tag lottery and exactly how the draw system works. Do they accept credit cards? You know, can you withdraw your application? Party applications, how many hunters can be on that? Good information that you really need to know. Again, it's a quick reference to improve your odds, to increase your odds. You're going to have to be applying in all the different states. And this is a great resource for you, the user, to be able to, to gain an understanding of each state and get the information you need. Guys, I want to tell you about one of the sponsors of this podcast. DeadeyeOutfitters.com is a lifestyle hunting apparel company for hunters by hunters. Check out episode 45 of this podcast with one of the owners and you'll see what I mean. Deadeye Outfitters makes quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. Deadeye Outfitters has the only license for creating Boone and Crockett apparel. Use the J. Scott promo code and receive a 10% discount on all purchases at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a friend of mine, Brady Miller, who is the digital content manager at GoHunt.com. And uh, I was fortunate to meet Brady and um, he won the Kuyu uh, hunt. Uh, they did a giveaway, uh, it, it, not, not actually a giveaway. He won the hunt, uh, due to his awesome photography skills and, um, came down to Mexico and shot a big coos deer. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Brady, how are you doing? Good, Jay. Good to be on. It's been, been yeah, I'm excited to have you on, uh, buddy. You probably um, spend more time in a backpack or have spent more time in a backpack than than anybody I know. Um, I know uh, you're originally from Minnesota, is that correct? And then you, you went to Montana, and then now you're in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I moved to Montana, I guess mainly to hunt, but also a wildlife biology degree. Uh, and yeah, it's been a big been a big change. I know that in Montana you were uh, doing a lot with fisheries, um, correct? Yeah, I was a 
fisheries research biologist for the uh, United States Geological Survey for about six years. And, uh, and very fortunate to uh, basically backpack the entire time I worked from basically, you know, March until November. So I got to test out a lot of my backpacking gear and, you know, get everything ready for the hunting season. My hunting season, I was in pretty good hiking shape. So it worked out really great. Yeah, that's awesome. And how much of that time um, that you worked there for six years, I mean, on an estimate, what would you say, how many days were you in the backcountry with a backpack on um, out there? Oh, pretty much, uh, you know, easy, easily three, three, five days a week. So whatever that equals, you know, it was more more than 70% of the time we were on a backpack, like overnight trips. We did a lot of day trips too, but most of our trips were four to eight days. We kind of had a pretty cool schedule, nine, nine days on, six days off, which then come hunting season worked out great. Had a lot of, you know, good opportunities to get after it with the bow. Awesome. Now, Brady, I know, um, I know you well, and, and, uh, I know that, uh, you love hunting, but your, your primary focus is a bow hunter. Tell me a little bit how, how that evolved. Uh, kind of always when I was in Minnesota, I just, uh, you know, took interest in archery and then kind of, uh, you know, had longer season dates when I was in high school. I basically was the type of kid who I'd, you know, duck hunt in the morning before school and after school, I'd just basically go ahead in the tree stand and bow hunt. And I did that for, uh, Starting at 12 when I could bow hunt and took my first deer when I was 14 with my bow, just a little three by, I think it was a three by two whitetail, and that kind of bit the bug. And I always dreamt of coming out west. And finally, you know, after high school, I had the chance to uh, move to Montana, and Montana's like the you know door of opportunity for over the counter tags. So it was just long season dates, and then I just love the technical aspect of bow hunting. You know, I just love tuning gear and you know tweaking arrows and you know, anything that I can do to make myself better. And I just always took to that rather than rifle. I don't know, just because getting, getting close and I don't know, get to be there when no one else is out there, I guess. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it was great having you down in Mexico. Tell me a little bit about that hunt that you won through Kuyu and uh, walk me even through uh, the hunt and um, how all of that uh, transpired because it's a pretty neat story. Yeah, so that was uh... – just randomly, you know, I submitted a photo to Kuyu for their uh, photo album. And then later on, they talked about those photos that were submitted. They were going to select 12 of them to go towards a uh, chance to win that hunt in uh, Mexico for Coos Deer. And uh, randomly, mine got selected. So it ran in a uh, hunting magazine as an ad for Kuyu. And then later on, towards October, they put all 12 of our photos to a vote. And I was actually... Uh, in the backcountry when that was going on. So I was kind of freaking out. Like it was only a, I think a week period where people could vote for it and they voted through Facebook. And, uh, the photo was a photo I took of my 2013, uh, Montana mule deer buck. And, uh, so basically I was on the backcountry trying to hike up to a higher peak to get cell phone service, trying to call my friends, Hey, the voting's open, you know, start voting. And finally I got out of the backcountry and just kind of took to it and tried to contact everyone I know to vote and try to share it a bunch on social media, try to work, all that kind of avenue and basically midnight finally came on the close. I ended up winning it and, you know, <laughs> never thought you'd win a hunt like that, especially a hunt for coos deer. Never hunted coos deer before. I went down with you and just the opportunity to uh, do it and hunt with Jason and meet him was kind of like a, you know, dream of a lifetime, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I remember, um, what I remember about that hunt was that the week that you guys came, it was a little bit early. The bucks weren't really rutting that well. 
Um, it was a, it was um, cool in the mornings, but it warmed up. It seemed like we had decent weather, but definitely not great deer movement. Um, um, but I, I know uh, you and Hunter chased a few bucks and some javelina around, and and then uh, I want to say it was the second or third morning or something. Um, you thought maybe sitting uh, water would be a, a good plan, and darn, I thought that would be a good plan as well. Um, Kind of talk about uh, your first coos deer experience, getting to see them, maybe what you thought, what things were different or the same as what you what you were expecting. Yeah, I just loved how uh, uh, I've always I lived in northwest Montana, so glassing really wasn't an option, but I was always, you know, into optics and into glassing. That's why I always hunted in uh, eastern Montana, which is more open. So coos deer were just like a whole, I don't know, this <laughs> awesome experience where I could sit there with big giant spotting scopes and, you know, big eyes and pick apart the terrain. And I just really loved how cagey they kind of are. You know, they're just like, you know, you see them and then you don't see them and they're so small and it's like, you got to pick them out. And it's just a something I've never been a part of, but I can easily see why people get addicted to it. Cause once you finally do see one, it's like, you know, it's, it's an eye opener. And it was the fun part about the hunt or I don't know about fun part. It was a uh, super challenging. Cause that first day, I think you remember, I almost broke my bow. I snapped that, uh, had a big crack in the limb and that's when uh hunter and i kind of took off after the javelinas and uh long story short i thought i was going to splinter my bow in half when i drew it back and put sunglasses on and you know tape the limb up with electrical tape as much as i could and had to recite my bow in and the mexicans actually uh they had a bunch of hay bales sitting back at their ranch and i tried to recite my bow in on hay bales and i stacked a bunch of hay bales next to each other but i was my bow setup's kind of souped up i guess and uh it went through all three hay bales and hit some big metal sign in the back of their shed so that was kind of, <laughs> that was kind of out of the question they weren't really happy about that <laughs> so uh randomly i found a bunch of uh dried up hey brady a mexican prison is not a very good option <laughs> yeah yeah especially uh the time you were pretty pretty sketchy across that border but <laughs> yeah so i finally drove around and thought what can i do here i don't want to burn a bunch of arrows you know i didn't bring you know a ton of arrows down and didn't want to shoot them in a bunch of rocks. So I found uh, an area where a bunch of cattle were hanging out and I grabbed uh, some, I think it was like two or three cow patties all dried up and stacked those end to end and basically used that as a target and recited my bow in, got everything going and limb was fine. And it's kind of how my wild coos deer hunt started, just a kind of a heartbreak roller coaster ride. Didn't think, you know, everyone kept making fun of me, bringing a bow to a gunfight. <laughs> and I was looking at it out the whole time, you know, tried spot and stock and all I really did was get a bunch of stickers on my feet because I, you know, just had my wool socks. I wasn't really used to hunting in that desert terrain like you guys got down there. And it was, uh, it was an experience. Spot and stock is uh, challenging. <laughs> For sure. And so when I think Dar took you up to that tank. Dar and I spent about 15 minutes arguing, which is very common for us, on which water hole you should go sit. And, and uh, we each had our own ideas. And uh, so tell me about when you approach the water hole, you set up the blind, what your, think, what your thoughts were, how it looked, um, kind of did you think it was going to work? What, you know, tell me how it all transpired. Yeah, I think that the, the name of the spot was pretty cool. I thought it was, uh, what are you guys calling it, Lion Tank? You had a trail cam pick of a lion a couple years ago. Yeah. And so it was a really cool spot. It was actually a little, like, narrow basin. It was kind of pretty tight with a high mountain on the the right where I set the blind. I was looking into the high mountain, and it looked like, you know, tons of good bedding habitat. And right behind was the same thing. So it's kind of like a pocket of this big, you know, 30, 40-yard wide pond. And, you know, I just – 
I didn't see a lot of tracks besides for cattle tracks. And I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, this is the third day. I'm probably going to sit here every single day for the next, was it five days and maybe see, you know, five, six coos deer, maybe see a decent buck come in, maybe it's coming the wrong side of the water hole. But I was, you know, I was willing to try it because spot and stop wasn't working. So it was, I hadn't even sat there. I think it was an hour and a half when I had the first coos deer come in. It was a small buck and it kind of like milled around on the mountain for a while. And uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, it never wanted to come to the water and got spooked off. And uh, I think later on it might've got spooked off by this giant buck because when this thing came in, I think I remember telling you guys, all I remember seeing was the giant G2s coming in. It's just, I caught out of the corner of my eye and it went right beeline right to the water. Didn't, didn't like, I've always heard coos are pretty hesitant coming to water. They're going to be cautious. This thing just went right to it, stayed right in the water's edge, started drinking and, you know, perfect opportunity. It was like 30, 32 yards away. I was able to rain, not set my sight and come to full draw and, the deer barely ran across the pond and tipped over on their side of the dike and ended up rolling down into the water. It's just, you know, something I never thought would happen, especially that fast. I've only been sitting there for an hour and a half, and here, here I have this, what I thought was an average coos deer laying on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, so I, the way I remember that was that was around like 10 or 11, and maybe you shot him around 12 or 1 or something. And yep, exactly. I, I, I didn't hear from you. I believe we had given you a radio to put in your pack just in case you needed help get, figuring out how to get back to the ranch house. And later that night, it was dark, and I remember coming off the mountain and just trying to call and see where everybody was at. And I remember you call, uh, you saying, hey, Jay, it's Brady. Uh, I don't know where the other guys are, but um, I'm here and saying, hey, Brady, how'd you do? And you're like, uh, I shot a buck, and it, it, it looks big. And and I remember you telling me, you know, Jay, it's got like 12 inch G2s or 11 inch G2s. And I was like, what? And <laughs> yeah. and then, then I, you know, I'm like, Brady, the G2s are like the main points in the back, right? Not the Igers. You're like, yeah, I know what G2s are, Jay. They're like 11 and a half inches. Yeah. And I'm like, and a half and bladed. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, and they're bladed. And I'm like, what? And you're like, yeah, I think it's a big buck. I go, Brady, it sounds like a giant. Yeah. I, and um, that was awesome. Yeah, I think you went through each time there on the radio as you were driving back in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> you had, had a rough score up in there. I think, uh, I mean, I was blown away. I know you guys were. Yeah, I mean, so we were, you know, jamming the gas down. It was, I think, me, Jason, and Nate Simmons. And um, I just wanted to see this buck. And then when I saw it, you know, it was just uh, just an awesome sight. And, um you ended up getting that buck scored by Pope and Young, and I believe you won an award for it, did you not? Yeah, yeah, I ended up getting uh, what officially scored 110 and 18 net and grossed 118 and 28. And uh, I ended up getting the, uh, what is it, the second award for uh, the recording period. So second largest yeah. buck during uh, the last two, two years. And uh, from what we can tell right now, it should still be number 17 in the world with a bow. So. That's fantastic. That's a beautiful buck for the listeners out there. Um, you have to go on um, Brady's Instagram page uh, and check it out. There's a bunch of pictures of it, and you can go on our website, uh, Colburn and Scott Outfitters. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures of that. Well, Brady, that was a that was a heck of a hunt. It was sure uh, really nice to meet you down there. And then after that hunt, it wasn't a, a whole lot longer. Um, and then uh, you started working for GoHunt.com. Uh, tell me a little bit about that transition there. 
Yeah, it was a you know a big surprise to me. I got a a random Facebook message from Lorenzo, who's the president of Go Hunt, and uh, he was just like, "Hey, I got this business idea coming around. Wonder if you're interested in jumping on the phone." And you know, I got I, you know I don't get a lot of Facebook messages, but you know, I always thought like, "Hey, this is probably some spam thing. I don't know what this is." And I started looking, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I've been friends with Lorenzo for a while," and started looking at stuff, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, I gotta give this guy a call." So I got him a call, and you know, they kind of briefed me on what's what go home was going to be all about because this is like in the beginning stages and randomly i said yeah i'm kind of interested like okay let's fly you down they flew me down i started checking it out they started showing me was what uh insider was going to be all about and kind of what they had in, in the works and to be honest my, my jaw kind of hit the floor and i was blown away i was like wow this is this is going to be something cool and to be offered to be a part of this you know i have to do it i mean it's a startup you know there's obviously a risk in me leaving my job and you know moving especially from Montana to Nevada you never I never thought in a million years you'd catch me living in Las Vegas I remember I got a text from you I, I was I forget what it was about but you're like uh I'm on my way to Nevada and I said what for and you said I'm moving <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah I think they called me in uh, uh the interview was like in February and then in March end of March I was already moving down there I already put my two weeks notice in and yeah, started started drive, making a long drive to Nevada. And now just living in the 105 degree heat every day. That's right. It's a dry heat though, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're kind of used to it, I guess. Um, Brady, tell me what it's like to work for GoHunt.com, and not only that, but tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so uh, my day to day, I'm the digital content manager. So I deal with all the uh, all the writers for our, for our front of the paywall content. We have a uh, you know, good selection of writers, and I, you know, green light articles for them. They give, send them back to me. I send them off to the editor. I go through all the editing, accept changes. I build all the articles you see on the website. I build all those, and I also uh, run all of our social media pages for Go Hunt. So it uh, keeps me actually really busy. It's, a, you know, really enjoyable to talk to hunters all the time, you know, read all their stories and, you know, communicate on, you know, what kind of groundbreaking content we want to release that, you know, users will be engaged with and, uh, you know learn something from so it's kind of my day-to-day -day and uh yeah it's an amazing company to work for i mean we have a great group of guys and gals and uh you know it's a good mix of hunters and uh at, w at one point it was like non-hunters and now they're all you know into hunting so it's, it's been a you know blast to work with people who have like you know big tech backgrounds and setting up all this stuff and you know diving into our whole insider portion it's it's really fun to see it turn around from when i started to where it is now it's it's a it's a pretty cool process and it's been really fun to be a part of. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome site and it's uh, been a pleasure having GoHunt.com Insider be a sponsor of this podcast. Um, you know, Brady, uh, I know you've been scouting your brains out. Uh, you drew a tag in Nevada for archery mule deer, and I know you've been trying to what a lot of my listeners do is you know work and scout at the same time. Tell me a little bit about your schedule uh, scouting for this mule deer hunt. Yeah, so uh, I think right now I've already put four, I think it's four weekends on the mountain scouting for this deer. And uh, my, my schedule is kind of crazy because of how far I live from the unit. The unit's in northern Nevada. And, uh, you know, it's an archery draw tag. And just every chance I get, I want to be up there. And it's one of those things where I don't really want to take off work because I want to, you know, wait till wait till fall and take up more of my time. So scouting, I normally work a full day on a Friday 
sometimes bounce out around three, but then I have a roughly, you know, six to seven hour drive just to get to my, just to get to the trailhead basically. And so normally I don't get there till sometimes 10 till three in the morning. Just depends on how fast I can get out of there. And so I just, I really have grown to, since I live in Nevada now, it's hot and dry and I'm not used to that. I'm used to rain in Montana. So I've, I've come to love hiking in the dark. That's kind of what I do right now. I just try to get to the trailhead in the dark and try to get most of the miles pounded out before the sun rises. That's kind of always my goal on Friday is to, you know, be at at least my, maybe my backup glassing spot by sunup. So I can just glass there really quick and kind of see the area where I'm going, going to go into. And then I push it up the rest of the way. And uh, it's kind of a brutal scouting or a hiking part too. It's, you know, 10 plus miles just to get to where I start scouting. And then from there, I, you know, work a couple basins. How much vertical feed are we talking in a 10 mile stretch? I think it's just at four and a, four and a half thousand, roughly four and a half, five. Wow. Wow. So, so you're, re- you're really cranking it up. Um, so you're leaving in the dark, you're going with the flash or uh, headlamp. Uh, what's your rattlesnake count? <laughs> yeah, luckily, I've, uh, I don't know if I should tell my girlfriend this. I've seen a few rattlesnakes down in the lower country, but, uh, I've been pretty fortunate so far. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put that <laughs> way, knock on wood, but. Yeah, that's another reason why I like hiking in the dark too. You know, it's I don't I don't really see anyone. There's no one up there. It's I can just plow through. I don't waste my water. I'm not sweating a bunch. It's basically hike, I've tried hiking in the dark before and or the daylight and I just get worked by the sun and I'm not I'm still a guy that's not used to it. You know, just being six foot five and being close to the sun is a kind of a downfall. Yeah, and and you're fair skinned. Although I have to say, I've seen the pictures of the beard lately, and that thing is uh, it's got a mind of its own. Yeah, yeah. I guess I got the mountain man look going on. Everyone at the office is, uh, you know, complimenting me on the beard looks. I'm trying to keep it for the next video. I think the last video is a little too uh, too clean cut, <laughs> and uh, trying to switch it up a little bit. Maybe people won't recognize me when I'm up there. And <laughs> I I remember watching the video of your last hunt. I believe it was last year, and it was a fantastic video. Um, are you going to be videoing this hunt? And um, what was the name of the video from before? Yeah, the video last year we did was uh, Elements. It was a uh, same same sort of hunt. It was a high country mule deer hunt with my bow. And uh, basically it was called Elements because we faced everything possible that we weren't expecting. I mean, it was, I'm expecting, you know, sun every single day and forecasting. It was calling for a little bit of rainstorms, but we got nailed every single day with rain. I had sunscreen up there, never used my sunscreen. I barely brought any, I was contemplating not bringing a down jacket because we we're like, Oh, it's, you know, it's August and it's not going to be that cold. But I think, I don't think it really warmed up past 45, 50 degrees and it was cloudy every single day. So you never got that sun to, you know, to, to warm your body up. And uh, so, yeah, we just battled it out and ended up, end up taking the actually the buck I scouted all summer last year on the fifth day of the hunt and so I just capitalized it perfectly and uh it was a beautiful stock and a beautiful shot and and uh you know the whole the whole hunt uh the buck was awesome I'm going to talk to you we're going to talk about gear here in just a minute but but first and foremost so your your hunt starts here in a, in a few days and you've been scouting. Do you have a particular buck that you want to shoot, or do you have a handful of bucks, or how's it looking out there? Yeah, I actually have uh, one particular buck in mind already. I've been watching them majority of the summer. I finally, uh, finally found the you know the one I want to go for. He's gonna 
he's going to be a nice buck. Let's just put it that way. He's uh, bigger than the buck I shot last year. And yeah, I'm super, super stoked to get out there after him. I mean, and I have 20, 25 minutes of footage of him already from the digit scoping setup and, you know, lots of stills of him and a couple other bucks. And tell me about him. What's his, what's his frame? What's he look like? Oh, uh, he's got a, he's got a mainframe four by four and he has a, uh, tripod off his, uh, G3. So he's, a he's got a bunch of mass on the one side and he's going to, He's going to he's going to break that high 185 mark. It's it's really surprising actually. I've been not trying to score him too high, but I've had Dave Lozier in the office look at him a bunch and you know, Lorenzo's kind of helped me score him up a little bit from all the footage and yeah, we, he's a phenomenal public land deer, you know. That's be, awesome. Be happy Brady. Him. Yeah, Brady is he in an area that you you tell me kind of your strategy and, and, you know, where has he been hanging? Is he a habitual buck that's kind of been in the same spot? You know, have you seen him every time you're up there? Um, kind of give me the play-by-play of how you think it's going to go down and where you think you're going to get your chance at him. Yeah, so I found him in uh, kind of a remote basin this year. I, you know, checked out this new area and also looked at some of my old spots that was in last year. And this buck, for whatever reason, he kind of hangs out on the higher part of this area in, in uh uh, seems like he's in the same spot every single day. He has everything he needs there. It's kind of a closed off Canyon with a big head wall. So he, you know, he won't go out and up. He's the only way he can go is really down the mountain and he, him and I think it's three or four other bucks are kind of in that same zone all the time. I've one weekend, I did not find him, but for the most part, he's always there. And it's going to be a tough hunt. Cause this last year I had a uh, Dave with to help me on the hunt. And this year I'm going fully solo. So it's going to be, you know, no one to help, help on the stock situation. And I think it's, if I can, if I can find them and I just wait them out enough and no one else wrecks up, wrecks the hunt and figures out where I'm going, it should be, should be pretty doable. He beds in pretty much the same spot in the midday. And a couple of times he beds in a, in a you know, spot that's way too impossible to put stock on. But for the most part, it's open, a bunch of rocks I can get in behind him. And, you know, I'd, where I figured I should be able to get at least a 45, 50 yard shot on him if he, you know, keeps doing the same thing he's been doing. Is your plan to glass him up, bed him down, and move in, and then wait for him to stand to feed, or what? What is your game plan? I'm actually the type of guy who loves to shoot him right in the bed. Like I'll shoot him bedded down. I'd love to do that. Um, so I, I'm easily gonna, you know, get to the same glassing spot, and hopefully I'll find him right away. And then I, I like to wait. I'm a guy who's really patient. I don't like to rush things. So. Last year, I kind of gave up a couple of days and just kind of sat on the bucks. We were the only ones there and uh, waited. I'm hoping that this area I can do the same thing and kind of give give the buck time to bed where he needs to go because I'm not really any rush. I'm going to be up there total of 10 days. I think I'll be hunting for seven. So I have plenty of time and just, you know, wait for it to work. And I'm going to, you know, try to stalk him from above and come down on him and put my little uh, Vibram toe fingers, whatever they're called, on and, you know, creep in on him and try to get it done. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to see, um, you're an awesome photographer, so I can't wait to see all of the different, um, content that you come back with and hopefully you come back with that buck. Um, I want to talk gear with you, Brady. I think our listeners love hearing about gear and you are certainly someone that, um, has the credibility, uh, to talk about gear because of the amount of time that you use it. Um, I, I want to start out by um, just go through your gear list of this 10-day hunt and, and everything that you're going to be using. Yeah, so uh, I'm big on, uh, you know, merino wool. I still started off there. I have, you know, merino wool from the socks to the boxers to all my base layers. I run all 
I'll coo you. I have all their uh, new ultra merino layers. I'm just going to take this year. I think a uh, um, just a just a merino base layer and a, and then a uh, little uh, their new Peloton and a down jacket. I'm just going to try to rock three layers and I also have a a rain jacket. I'm going to take two. I'm going to take the two gatch up there. Um, are you going to take the um, super down or are you going to take the um, the the uh, um... the Kenai? The keen eye, sorry. Yeah, uh, I've just I've been rocking the super down for a long time, and it's kind of grown on me. And you know, I had a, had a lot of good luck with it. I love the, I love the keen eye; it's super comfortable. But for the just the weight purposes, I'm just gonna take the super down up there. And actually, majority of my gear is actually stashed up on the mountain right now. So I'm gonna have a little lighter pack in. I kind of uh, have been storing gear throughout the summer in a few various spots to kind of help out. So. Awesome. So what kind of boots are you wearing? Uh, actually, I'm a shoe guy. So I'm a Solomon uh, Speedcross 3. I just love, you know, lightweight shoes. And I run my shoes with a gator. So I have a, you know, gator over the pants. And I always I run Tiburon pants. And I'll just uh, have that, my Tiburon pants. And then, like I said, a couple Marino base layers and the Peloton. And, you know, that's that kind of rounds out that. I mean, last, last year I probably could use a little bit more. I might take some Marino wool leggings up there, but... What's the forecast? Uh, forecast right now is 85 and 90 every single day in the valley, so it's it's going to be a cooker. I'm not going to really, you know, take anything extra that I don't need. I'll... How does that temperature help or hurt you? I think, uh, I mean, right now the bucks, they're, they've been kind of hard to find because they've been in the, the tall willows all day long. And for the while, that's why I was like, man, I'm, I'm glassing these basins. I have to hold deer, and I just couldn't find them. And finally I found a or there's a cooler weekend and then the bucks are just popping out everywhere. So I think that the heat might hurt me a little bit on this because since these bucks tend to, you know, only, they're only up a little bit in the morning, they're, they're bedding down the thick stuff where I don't feel like get, get on them. And that's also going to hurt my stocking situation too. If they, if they do, if it is hot as they say it is and they do bed in the wrong spot, it is going to be a big, a big waiting game, which you know, I'm just going to have to wait it out being by myself. But Okay. Um, what socks are you going to wear? Uh, I have the new Kuyu socks. I can't remember what the name is, but yeah, I have I have two pairs of those. I'll take up there. One. Okay. What one, about water? A water? Yeah. What are you gonna do for that? Uh, I have a bunch of those uh, MSR. I think they're called Drome Drome Dairy bags. They're like a six liter. I think I have a six liter and a four liter. I have like the light version. I think they're uh, red colored ones. And I have what is it? Three of those. So right now my plan is to get all the way up there, get all my gear in, find the buck on hopefully right away Saturday morning. So I'm going to leave tomorrow night and then Saturday midday and it's going to haul water all day. That's kind of my plan. I'm planning on, uh, what is it? Eight. I think I'll have 20 gallons of water at camp. That's my, that's kind of my goal. So I, I just want to get a bunch of water in there on Saturday and Sunday hauled up to my camp. So I don't have to like drop down cause it's a, it's a long way to water. It's, it's not an easy thing. <laughs> I think it's a 1,500 feet of elevation loss I have to do to go get water. I have to side hill a bunch and go around some boulder fields just to just to get to a little spring on the side of the mountain. Unbelievable. Um, Brady, what tent are you taking? I actually have a new tent set up I'm kind of going to be trying out this weekend. It's a, it's a paratarp. Okay. And it's a, it's a super lightweight, you know, one-person one tent and uh, trekking poles and so I think it weighs, what is it, just just over a pound, I think it is. It's pretty lightweight. I've normally, I've been running an MSR Hubba one-person tent, and uh, I use titanium everything, so I have titanium stakes, and, uh, yeah, just try to stay as light as I can. And uh, was it my uh, 
I run the, the uh, Thermarest NeoAir. I think it's their X Lite. Okay. And then uh, for a sleeping bag, I always I've been a big fan of Down for a long time, and uh, I have a Feathered Friends 30 degree bag. I I figured I've run 30 degree bags all the time. When I worked in Glacier National Park, it was uh, you know really cold, and I was a fisheries biologist and for whatever reason, 30 degrees always work for me all the way through October, November. I always figure I have, you know, a down jacket with me. I have a down pants. It's like I don't need, you know, a 20 or zero degree bag in these situations. So I just try to stay light, like, you know, carrying a third degree bag. Awesome. If it rains on you, are you going to try and trap water or is that not an option? Uh, I thought like about, off your tent or anything like that. Yeah, I thought about it this year. I'm going to be taking up a, uh, a little uh, extra sort of lightweight tarp, uh, still nylon tarp, but I don't, I don't know if I'll go for it. I think, I think I can get enough water with those, uh, with those bags, but I mean, that's always a good option. Last year I had uh, a few snow fields I used to melt water and this year because it's, you know, lack of snowpack in the West and there's, there's no snow fields. So it's a, that's why it's making it a little challenger challenging. I hope that's what, you know, keeps more people away from, you know, some of these higher country spots because it's kind of scary without the water situation. Sure. Um, are there any, is there anything else up there other than mule deer? I mean, are you seeing bears? Are you seeing elk? Are you seeing anything else? Uh, when I've actually glassed some of the really lower country, I do run across a few bull elk every now and then. And, uh, you know, I've seen one really big mountain goat, which is kind of a bummer because, you know, not many people are ever going to be able to hunt mountain goat in this area. And I've kind of ran into a problem of uh, domestic sheep up there. For whatever reason, it seems like the last couple of weeks there's been sheep herders pushing sheep across the mountain range, and there, you know, there's bighorn sheep in this mountain range, and you know that's kind of a a huge yeah. problem that I don't, I don't really, it doesn't really sit well with me that there can be you know 500 domestic sheep up there, especially when I'm you know also when I'm bow hunting, but for just the you know pneumonia aspect of transmitting diseases, and so hopefully, yeah, hopefully that's we, not good. Hopefully they won't be in the same like area because they, you know they they make noise all night and kind of scare things around, but yeah. Um, talk to me about food. Food. I'm, what do you, what do you, I'm kind of a, I think I don't eat enough when I'm up there. I try to stay, you know, high calories. I'm a, I'm a mountain house guy for dinner. I will pound a lot of mountain houses. Any of the, I usually do the, uh, pro packs. They're those smaller, uh, vacuum sealed, uh, single serving ones. So that's always my dinner breakfast. I, I used to be an oatmeal guy, but lately I've, because of the Nevada water situation, I just don't want to waste my drinking water on oatmeal in the morning and having to, you know, make something extra because I'm a, I love my coffee, so I have to have coffee in the morning. So I'll, I'll sacrifice water for that. But right now I just do uh, I do Pro Bar meal replacements. Uh, they usually have I think 350, 400 calories just in the morning. It's, it's quick and easy. They're, you know, not the lightest thing, but packed full of energy. So I like to do that for breakfast, and I'm a big, uh, you know, protein protein bar midday snack. And then for lunch, I'm kind of a, a junkie for flour tortillas and uh, two uh, things of peanut butter. They'll squeeze, uh, squeeze containers of peanut butter. So it's, you know, I try, I'm probably not eating what I should be, but it's super light. And it's really filling. I try to do a lot of, a lot of high protein, a lot of fats. Um, I'm big on uh, also taking a bunch of like, you know, uh, hammer nutrition, goo, uh, those type of uh, uh, energy supplements as well. 
So how heavy how heavy do you think your pack will be coming out uh, with with the deer with the rack everything? Are you going to try and pull it all out in one, or are you going to make several trips? Uh, I'm I'm a type of guy who likes to do it in one. Um, Just throw it throw it and go. Yeah, I usually try to throw it and go. I mean, uh, that's the problem. It's so far back in there, and it's like if I if I leave anything, this dude there's no snow, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of worried about meat spoilage. I can't set it near a snowfield. There's really no you know, constant springs or like a stream on the mountain to put the meat by to cool. I run out all the way to my truck and try to run all the way back in. So I'm going to, it's, it's going to be a hundred plus pound pack easily. And what pack are you rolling? Uh, normally I've been running the, the Kuyu, the ultra 6,000, but this year I picked up a, uh, Exo mountain. I think it's their 5,500 pack just to kind of test it out and see what I like about that. So I've been, I've been enjoying it this year. It's been a, you know, it definitely hauls weight. And it's going to be interesting to see how it can haul meat because that's always the biggest part. But it still has a good meat shelf in it and try to awesome. try to get 10 days worth of food in there. But uh, like I said earlier, the nice part is I've been, you know, stashing gear on the mountain. So I don't have a giant pack in, which, I mean, maybe I'll overpack a little bit. But I'm pretty dialed in my pack system, so it should be all right. So the first two days of the hunt, Saturday the hunt starts, you're actually going to pack water Saturday and Sunday even if you see the buck? Yeah, even if I see the buck, yeah, I'm just going to uh, – you know, put in, I'll put them in a bed right away Saturday morning when I get up there, and I hope to just lock them down there. I might st- I might stick around till like 10, 30, 11, see if he gets up and makes a secondary bed because it seems like this last last couple of, or last year, a bunch of the bucks were making secondary beds, so it would have been you know, gotta gotta make sure of that. And then once I find them, I'm just gonna leave them right there, move my optics back down off the ridge, and I'm gonna uh, yeah, get an empty pack and just start packing water. I just really awesome. I just really want to be. I want to be fresh and ready once Monday comes. That's the opener, the tenth. Oh, Monday is the opener. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, I, when I put stocks on these bucks, I, if I fail a stock, I could get water because the deer are kind of hanging around near some springs. But I just want to have lots of water at camp because I mean, I, I go through at least two and a half, three liters of water a day, even when I'm not moving around. I just have to have water, and you know, if, if I'm yeah, making these long things, it's just safety reason. I'm, I'm by myself this year. I'm solo, so I just figure I should suck it up and sweat a little bit on Saturday and part of Sunday and just, you know, get my camp situated because I'm hoping to be there the whole week. Yeah, I was a su- I thought the season started on Saturday, so I was going to, you know, ask you why you were going to be getting water. And so it makes total sense that the, the season starts on Monday. Yeah. You're going to take time to get camp already. You're going to try and keep your eye on the buck, mm-hmm. um, but then be able to get after him with a full camp with 20 gallons of water. You said 20 gallons? Uh, yeah, 20 liters of water, yep. 20 liters. Um so that that'll be awesome. Um, tell me which uh, what bow you're shooting, what arrows you're shooting, uh, what grain arrows, uh, broadhead, etc. Yeah, so I just recently it's another thing I've been kind of staying up really late at night trying to set up a new bow here. I just picked up a Hoyt Nitrum 34 long draw. So I'm shooting that bow this year. I've been uh, shooting a different brand a couple last couple of years and uh, shooting 80 pound limbs. I think right now it's set at a uh, 78.8 pounds shooting a 440 grain um black eagle x impact it's a 250 spine arrow um 0.001 uh straightness i like to i'm kind of a geek on archery so i like to uh totally customize my setup uh i shoot a single pin movable sight um i just don't like clutter i, I haven't been able to get used to multi-pins i mean i shot multi-pins way back in the day when i lived in minnesota and once i moved to montana and started hunting out west 
you know, a single pin bug kind of hit me. It takes a little bit more time to set up a, for a shot, but I figure most of the time bucks are 50, you know, 60 yards away. I have a little bit of time. It, you know, I always think you have more time than what you think to set your sight. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I can't adjust it in the heated situation. But, you know, I think single pin's the way to go. Less clutter, easier to deal with. And so I have that. Awesome. I think my whole bow, um, I have a drop away rest. I run it off the bottom limb. Um, I have front and back stabilizers. I'm kind of like a, uh, I guess you could say a target hunter, target bow hunter. I take all like the super technical stuff I find from target archers, like, you know, Levi Morgan and Chance Bobeth, all those like famous target guys. I take anything they're doing obviously will work for hunting, except, you know, they might fine tune a little way. It might be a little fragile. I just try to like, you know, find what will work for me in bow hunting to gain me the most accuracy and also, the most forgiveness when I'm out there. So I'm a big fan of, uh, of back weight on bows. I have 16 ounces of sidebar weight and I have two ounces of front weight. So it kind of, you know, balances my full bow out at full draw. I don't like to, I don't, I never balance my bow sitting there static. I feel like at full draw with the, you know, your sights on the right side, your rest on the right side, you have a big five arrow quiver on the right side. Your bow starts to tilt to the right. And in the mountains, I don't, you know, I don't really want to mess with that. That's why I balance all my stuff at full draw to get the best feel. I always tune for that. That's kind of what I've been frantically trying to do this last uh, week and a half is set this new bow up and try to get adjusted to it really quick and get all my weights on there and get everything dialed. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like you're going to have a heck of a time, a great adventure, and uh, we're going to be excited to see how you do. Um, and um, it's been awesome talking to you. I know you got to get going. You're leaving tomorrow for the backcountry, so I'm going to let you go. Um, but I want to tell you it's been great um, listening to you uh, talk about your preparation for the hunt. And um, I, I, knowing you, I know how detail-oriented you are and how, how into uh, you know, being a student of the game that you are. And, and that's one of the things, one of the things that I admire about you and, um, just looking forward to seeing how you do. And I know you'll take great pictures and, and, um, I, I can't wait to see how the, un the adventure unfolds. And, um, so we'll hear from you when you get out of the mountains and I just appreciate you being on here. And, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, love seeing all the stuff you did an incredible article, uh, on Google Earth, um, that really helped me. Another podcast I want to talk to you about uh, Google Earth and and uh, you know all the stuff you use uh, for scouting. Yeah, um, but that'll come on another episode. But uh, go get them, and um, we'll be cheering for you. All right, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it. It's about about time all those uh, long three four in the morning uh, drives back into to work on Mondays are going to kind of pay off. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited you know, that. That schedule you've been keeping, it's uh, going to be great uh, reward when you get that buck. And, and if you don't get him, I'm sure there's another one out there that you can get. And um, so go get him, and I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Okay. Hey, thanks, Jake. Keep up the great work. Appreciate having me on. It's been it's been fun. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, you too. Well, that was a great episode with Brady Miller of GoHunt.com, and I'm excited to see how his hunt shakes out in Nevada for archery mule deer. I wanted to bring your attention to the GoHunt.com Insider August giveaway. Uh, this month, they're going to give away 10 Kuyu sleeping bags. All you have to do is be a member of uh, the GoHunt.com Insider. All you have to do is be an Insider member to win. And the, the retail value of this is $4,500. This is the Kuyu Super Down 30 Degree Sleeping Bag, which is the one I have uh, in the size long. 
And in recent months, they've given away landowner tags, doll sheep hunts, uh, spotting scopes, Kinetrek boots, um, Red Rock Precision rifles, and, and, and much more. Uh, guys, in order to be an insider member, you need to go to gohunt.com forward slash insider, click on the blue join now button, and use the J. Scott promo code at checkout, and you will receive a $50 Kuyu gift card that they will send to you electronically. I want to thank you guys, my listeners, for tuning into this podcast. And every day I get emails and Facebook messages and Instagram messages of how much you guys like this podcast. And without the sponsors and without you guys, the listeners, this, this podcast would not be possible. Uh, if you need to send me questions or comments, which I appreciate every day getting, you can send them to jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can follow along more of our adventures at jscottoutdoors.com, jscottoutdoors Facebook page, at jscottoutdoors on Instagram, and our YouTube channel, at jscottoutdoors. Guys, until the next episode, I just want to say God bless you, and the 2015 hunting season is right in front of us, and it's going to be a great one. So I look forward to seeing all you guys' pictures of all your success, and hope you guys have a great, safe hunting season. Until next time, guys, God bless.